Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. This week we saw something pretty amazing, I think. I think it was pretty amazing. Um, And we saw something pretty powerful. And no, I'm not talking about the clown show that we saw in the House of Representatives. I'm not talking about that. Um, Anyway, what I am talking about, though, is, is I'm talking about Monday, Monday night, we were, Blake and I were sitting there watching Monday Night Football, and uh, Buffalo Bills uh, were playing the Bengals, and there was a player that, uh, it was a normal routine play, it wasn't even uh, something that looked dramatic, or it didn't really look, you know, like, like it was that hard of a hit, of course, for me to say that, you know, I'm sure it would have probably killed me, but um, <clears throat> anyway, it was just a fluke kind of hit. The guy got up and then he fell completely out. And from what we know, he, he ended up having, um, a, you know, his, his pulse stopped and, um, they actually ended up, one of the, uh, assistant trainers had to revive him on the, uh, on the field. Uh, from what we know now, he actually, that happened twice. They were going to put him on the stretcher. They had to take him back off the stretcher and revive him again. Um, and the cool thing is, is that he is awake and breathing and he's doing great, which is incredible, right? Yeah. Right. Praise, praise the Lord. So, so that's, that is a miraculous thing. That is something that, that God did. And, but what was amazing was, was, uh, for the first time in a long, long, long time, you saw the heart of men, you saw the heart of people. You saw that no one, no one, I saw no one on social media, I saw no one on TV saying anything when people were saying, pray for this man, call out to God, pray. Even at the, even at the very uh, time it happened, there were people that were just dumbfounded And here's what I know to be the truth, and I hope you know to be the truth, that within us, deep down within us, our human nature is made to know, deep down, no matter if you say you're an atheist, if you say deep down, we know that God exists, and we know that he's our creator, and we know that he has all power, and when we are at our lowest point, and we saw that Monday night, we know that our, our, everyone's natural state was to not, you know, uh, panic and go running this way or that way. Everyone, whenever they ran out of all options, called out to God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I did want to show you something that happened later on in the week that I was blown away by. Um, and, um, I, I do like to follow sports people. Uh, I am one of these guys where I really like, uh, seeing who is, who is, um, 
um, who is who are believers and who are who are living that life. And there were there were three people uh, on a TV show this week on ESPN. Um, Laura Rutledge, uh, who who a lot of people know from the SEC network, but Laura Rutledge, Marcus Spears, who was an LSU player, he also. Uh, played for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Marcus Spears and Dan Orlovsky, and Dan Orlovsky was a was a guy who was a quarterback. Um, and it's funny because Dan Orlovsky is famous for uh, being a quarterback that actually ran out of bounds in the end zone. He he took a hike and he started doing his thing, and he was actually about two feet out of bounds. And he's been made fun of for that for a long, long time. But I think every I think what he did this week. Uh, would show something else. And so I wanted to make sure you saw that. I wanted to make sure you saw the change and the difference. Because when we see all these people saying, oh man, you know, God doesn't exist or blah, 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 blah. Listen, when it comes down to the point of desperation and need, we all know God exists. Because he's the one we call out to. And so, Lynn, I want you to kill the lights if you would. And I want you guys to check this out. Look what happened on ESPN this week. Um... Football gave me everything, you know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football mm-hmm. as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like, this is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers, and you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him, and I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say that like, we believe in prayer, and maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want it's just on my heart that I want to pray for it is. DeMar Hamlin right, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that your God and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad. We're angry. Um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray. Truly come to you. And pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar. To be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 It's beautiful. Respectfully. We will continue to cover this story. We'll continue to bring you all the updates that we have. And as usual, we'll see you tomorrow on NFL Live. I'll just reiterate how secondary football is in all of this. We are thinking and praying, as you've seen here, for DeMar Hamlin and his family and truly hoping for some better news. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? Yeah. The sad part is, is that America doesn't realize that if they would do that on a consistent basis, if they would call out to God on a consistent basis, we would see not only revival, but we would see flourishing and we would see, we would see God move in major. He is waiting to do that. He is waiting for those that call out on him. He's waiting to do that. He's waiting to move. And so soon, I believe, I believe we're going to see that young man professing. I really believe, and I believe the young man is a believer, by the way. Uh, I do believe he's a believer in researching him this week. But I, I think we're going to see him have a powerful testimony for God. I really do. And I'm praying that this week would be a turning point for our country. I really am. Am I hopeful? No. 
But you know what? It's got to start with something. And maybe that will be the spark. All right, that's all I'm going to say about that. All right, we're getting back into John, John chapter 4. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, we're going to be starting with uh, John chapter 4. It's going to be, let me find my verse in verse 43. John chapter 4, verse 43. Let me tell you a little bit of background. If you haven't been here, maybe you've just gotten over the gluttonous uh, 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 stuff that you ate from Thanksgiving all the way to New Year's. All right. Maybe you're just getting over that. Maybe the fog has started to lift. And so you may have forgotten through the turkey and the candy and all of that junk and the ham uh, and all of the and the Reese's uh, uh, the Reese's uh, eggs uh, that you guys ate or the what are those little things called the trees are there trees or eggs at at Easter right? Don't be looking at me weird. You mess up too. Gosh. So anybody else want to come up here and speak? Anyway, so um, anyway. It's really amazing, guys. I'm going to show you guys really something funny. And I don't know if they did this as a joke or not. But um, um, I have the verses on the back wall like you guys have up here. So they know I'm blind. I'm getting blind. So look at this. Look at these verses. Now turn around and look at those verses. Look at that. That looks like my cell phone. Has anybody else got the cell phone where it's like, hey, how are you? And you got to go. You doing. Yeah, that's me. That's me. Anyway. So, but no, listen, let me go through John here. Let me go through and explain to where we're at. John was the disciple that Jesus loved. And he's the author of this book. And he's answering the questions uh, about Jesus Christ uh, for those in ancient Ephesus. Mark, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the synoptic gospels. So they have kind of a flow that goes through them. But John doesn't do that. He actually doesn't include a lot of biographical information pertaining to Jesus and going through that. He also... He also separated the book up into two different parts, and we're actually going to see a good example of the first part today. The book of signs is chapters 1 through 12, 13 through 21 is the book of glory. So the book of signs are things that he did. The book of glory is the telling of him giving his life over for us. And so here's the main goal. Here's the main goal uh, in the uh, um, in the chapter. Here's the main goal. It's, it's John chapter 20, verse 31. I'm blown away by how big it is back there. I really am. I can't get over it. Um, it's like it's coming at me in 3D. Okay, it says, but these are written so that you may continue to do what? Believe, right here, believe, all right, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have what? You will have life by the power of his name. And so, John, I want you to know, when you believe, you have life. And he also wants you to know this, this is very important. It's not just eternal life. It's life here. You will feel a fulfilling starting when you believe. When you believe, then there's a connection between the value and the, the overall goodness of your life, the abundance, and John Chantini says, of your life. There's a connection between when you believe and this, and we'll see this today really played out. So now I want to give a little background before we read the text. Um, the background is this coming into this text. And so remember we left off with the woman at the well and we had people that had given their life over to Christ. It says that many came back. Uh, the, woman, the woman was at the well. She went in and said, come see someone who's told me everything about myself. Many people came back and they believed. And there was a lot of people that was saved uh, through that scenario. And so the scripture says that he stayed there a couple more days. Now, don't forget 
that before he was at the woman at the well, he actually did not go around Samaria. He went through Samaria. And we talked about how it said he said he had to go through Samaria. He really didn't have to. You know what I'm saying? He did. He didn't have to because he was forced. He had to because he wanted to show the people that all the gospel was open to everyone. He wanted to be an example for the people to say these people that you call Sumerians that you put down, they're just as valuable as you are. And so he had to show them that. Now the book opened up, the book of John opened up starting in chapter two with a wedding and the wedding was at Cana. And that was the first of the seven signs of the book of John. There's seven signs that he really highlights. Now, of course, I know this will shock you, but many theologians argue about what exactly are the seven signs. You know, theologians will argue about anything. And so they argue about what are the seven signs. The first one was at Cana. Some people say the second one was whenever he turned over the, 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 the temple chairs and he cleaned, he, he ran out the people in the temple. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. The second sign is going to be the sign we see today. The second sign is the sign we see today. And this is the second one. He started out the section in Cana, and now he's going to wrap up the section in Cana. He is there now. Um, and what we see is, if we see a government official, there's a government official that comes to him and that asks him for healing for uh, his son. His son is sick, and we'll see how Jesus responds to the healing. So let's go ahead and start with verse 43 in John chapter 4. It says, at the end of the two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. So Galilee is where he was at before. You'll see that he ends up in Cana. He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. Yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. Make a mental note of that because we're coming back to that in a second. They welcomed him. A prophet's not welcomed in his hometown, but they welcomed him because they had seen the things that he had done. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and he begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. And Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. And then Jesus told him, go back home, your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. And while the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them, <clears throat> when did the boy, uh, had he asked them when the boy had become better. And they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that that was the very time that Jesus told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. What is going on here? I want to go through a few points of this text. What in, what in the world is going on here? Well, the first thing we see is that Jesus says this in 44 and 45. He says, He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown, yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did. I want to tell you something. 
The first point I want to make from this text is this. A prophet is not welcome in his own town. A prophet is not welcome in his own town. They welcome Jesus. Listen to this. They welcome Jesus only, only because of what they had seen. They had some miraculous signs and they welcomed him and they embraced him because of that. And so the question would then be, why does Jesus say that a prophet is not welcome in his own hometown? Well, Matthew 13 says this. Matthew 13, and I'm going to have to look it up here. Matthew 13, starting in verse 53. Matthew 13, starting in verse 53, says this. Let me get to it. When Jesus had finished telling these stories and illustrations, he left that part of the country. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where does this wisdom, uh, where does he get this wisdom and power to do miracles? And then they scoffed. I want you to hear that. And I love that word scoffed. And then they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon and Judas. And it says all his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. And then that's when Jesus says, then Jesus told them a prophet is honored everywhere except his own hometown and among his own family. Again, we look over in Mark, Mark chapter six, verse four. We go over to Mark chapter six, verse four. And it says this, Mark chapter six, verse four says, then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his home hometown and among his relatives and his own family. When I tell people that I'm a pastor, people don't believe me. When I tell people from my hometown I'm a pastor, when my mom says, yeah, Barry's a preacher, they don't believe me. If Facebook didn't exist, they would think my mother is a habitual liar. And they would probably ask all of you people, what are you guys doing with this clown? What in the world are you guys doing with this guy? Especially, you know, some of my friends from high school, because I was a little older, they would probably say, oh, yeah, yeah, he was always really nice and blah, blah, blah. Let me say something. I've never really been a jerk in my life, all right? I never really have been. You know, there's some guys that were, they thought they were really cool and all that stuff. That really wasn't me. I knew I was cool. I mean, I had a, you know... I did have a $500 car and a $1,000 stereo in it. So that's, that was good. You know, I had that. But uh, I never really was. Uh, but the people that I especially went to middle, uh, middle school, you know, that area, early high school, late, late elementary school, they would say, you talking about the guy with the lisp? There's no way. He's a preacher. There's no way. But I did have a lisp, and I am a preacher. And then they would send the teachers, oh, Miss Hooper, Miss Hooper in fifth grade. I've told you Miss Hooper. I've told you about her. She hated me. Miss um, Hooper would say, there's no way he's a preacher. All right? There's no way he's a preacher. He almost failed fifth grade. I did. Isn't that terrible? And then Mr. Grannis in sixth grade, his name was Mr. Grannis. He was a cool guy. But I still almost failed sixth grade. Yeah, I did. And then seventh grade, I almost failed that too. I did. Um... They would probably say, you mean the guy that was paddled all during school for being a class clown? I know that shocks everybody that I was a class clown. I know it does, but I was. Some of the people in high school would say, are you talking about the guy with the $1,000 stereo and the $500 car that used to listen to things as he pulled up to school like Easy e Don't act like you don't know who Easy e is, okay? Some of, you, some of the people are going, 
Look, do me a favor. If you don't know who Izzy is, don't Google it. Don't Google it. It was my unsaved days. My heathen. Are you talking about Run DMC, LL Cool J, the Beastie Boys? I had to fight for my right to party, guys. You know what I'm saying? For those that are 40 and older, you'll get that. They'd be amazed. They'd be amazed. Why would they be amazed? I'll tell you why they'd be amazed. Because for them, and this happens to me when I go home sometimes for holidays too. For them, they have me frozen in time. Are you with me? They have me frozen in time. And I kind of have them frozen in time as well. That's kind of what we do. We kind of do that. I'm kind of frozen in time to them. I'm still that kid that they knew before because they hadn't seen anything that's happened since. Same thing happens to me when I go home. Traditionally, when I go home, you know, I, my brothers are both five foot eight. Maybe they say they are. They're more like five seven or five six. But anyway, you know, I'm like six two. And so when I, if any picture you see of me and my brothers, you may have seen them. I'm like, hey, I'm always in the middle in the back because I'm like the tall guy because it looked very awkward, and they're always really short in the front. That doesn't matter to my mom because my mom and my brothers always look at me as the baby of the bunch. Are you with me? And that's what happens. That's what happens a lot of times when I go home. The same thing happens whenever people hear that I'm a pastor. Because they haven't seen what God's done between this point and this point. And they have me frozen in this one area of my life. Because they haven't experienced anything with me. Where you guys met me later on. Where I was not listening. I got a little bit nicer car. I still have a $1,000 stereo system, but I still have a, have a little nicer car. Um, and I, I was, was, you know, more mature, more grown. God had worked with me. God had helped me. He had been there with me. And what they've done is the people have missed all of that time. And that's the same thing that happens whenever you are in the ministry and you try to go back to your home town. It would be very difficult. I've actually, I've actually, there've been a couple of opportunities. Um, people have told me about certain churches that, Hey, you should maybe look at going back. The good thing is, is that my hometown, my original hometown was in, in West Tennessee. It was in Camden and Waverly, Tennessee. And it's, it's uh, tiny. It's really tiny. And my wife, uh, she always says the same thing when I say, Hey, you want to move back to our hometown? She says, no, I don't. So she says, this is the smallest area we'll ever live in. And I want a big city to be connected by. And so, but there's no way I could ever do that. Because when I, if I did do that, I would go back and people would see me and understand me how they had me before. And not how I am now. They've missed out on a section of my life. So the question is, why in the world would they accept Jesus? You heard in Mark what it said and in Matthew what it said. It says, hey, listen, we know this. This is Joseph's boy. This is the carpenter. What are you talking about? We know this. We know who this is. Well, here's why they accepted him. They accepted him because of the goodies that he was going to give them. They accepted him because the miracles. And they accepted him because of the signs that they saw. They accepted him because they thought they could get something from him. Are you with me? They thought they could get something from him. Jesus had shown, he had shown them various things and they wanted what he had, not who he was. And here's the scary thing about that. 
is that, and we'll talk about that this in a second, but and go a little deeper. But the scary thing is, is that oftentimes if we come to Christ because of what he is willing to do for us and not out of just faith and belief for who he is, but for what he does, traditionally that ends up with Christ becoming a gumball machine for you. You earn your quarter and you put it in. You hope you get the orange or the red one. Or he becomes you know, one of those little machines. There used to be these machines where you'd have helmets. You guys remember those? The, the football helmets? You'd put it in and it would come down and you'd have this little... That's what Christ becomes to some people. Some people base their belief in Christ only on signs and miracles. And that's why they accepted him. And Jesus knew that because, and how do we know he knew it? He knew it because the first thing he says to the, to the guy was, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? I want to tell you a second truth about this text. And it's this, our faith, listen, our faith cannot be based on signs and miracles. I want you to hear that. Our faith cannot be based on signs and miracles. Why is that? If your faith is only based on signs and miracles, then Jesus becomes our servant and we become his Lord and we become Lord of our own lives. We come to tell him what to do. One of the things that, that I have always had an issue with are some some churches and look every church does great things okay but there are some churches that are constantly needing and looking for a sign from God are you with me in their worship services they are needing this supernatural experience as a matter of fact i was i was at a church one time and the the uh the drummer was not very good all right let me just say that he was not very good. And after the service, the lady said, you know, that service just wasn't anointed today. The music just wasn't anointed. And I said, uh, I think the drummer stunk. Well, what do you mean? I don't think it had anything to do with anointing. I just think the drummer can't play. No, no, he just wasn't anointed. Now, listen, God can let anybody who be a drummer, not me, but anybody who you know, can be a drummer if they want to. But what she wanted to do is, is she wanted to add a supernatural thing to it because she was expecting, there was an expectancy. Now, do I expect God to do healing? Yeah, I did. I did this week. You know, it was crazy because when the thing happened with the player, I immediately looked at Blake and said, Blake, I don't, right before they, right as they went to break, the first five minutes, I looked at Blake and I said, hey, I don't think this is going to be good. I don't know if this guy's going to make it. He said, what do you mean going to make it? I said, they were rushing out there. I said, that was not a head injury. He got hit in the chest. And I said, I don't think that dude's breathing. And so, but immediately we stopped, right? We stopped and prayed as a family for, for, the, for, the, for the young man. And, but, but I was anticipating constantly. As a matter of fact, I stayed up until two in the morning looking for any kind of sign of, hey, is he going to be okay? And then the next day, that was kind of on my mind. But there was an anticipation. It's not bad to be anticipatory of God. It's not bad. What is bad is, is if your faith relies 
on all of these mountaintop experiences that constantly go. And you define your faith by if God isn't doing some great, incredible thing in your eyes, then it's really not, he's not moving. Can I tell you the most incredible thing that God did for you is he died for you. The fact that you're even, I heard someone say this one time, someone says, well, gosh, man, I just want to sit by Jesus in heaven. And another person said, listen, if I'm in the very corner of the room and the room is as big as an auditorium, if I'm sitting over in the corner by myself, I'm just happy to be in the room where Jesus is. I'm happy to be there. I would love to sit on his lap too, but I'm happy to be there. And the reality is, is that some people, they go from big thing to big thing to big thing. And they end up getting disappointed because you know why? Because they're missing the main thing. And the main thing is, is that our faith is based off our belief. It's our belief and our trust in who he is. I want to tell you something that you discover in ministry. And this goes back a little bit to the first point, but it's true. And I want to tell you this is true. You discover very quick in ministry that when you're helping people, you are absolutely loved. Are you with me? When you're helping people, you are loved because no one dislikes someone who's helping people. Do you know when the edge comes in ministry? You know when the dislike comes in ministry? The edge and dislike comes in ministry if you're a pastor. The edge, and it'll be for you too if you're a bold believer that helps people and speaks out. Did I, did I lose something here? Am I lost? All right, I'll go yellow. So, listen, I really believe that, that you have to understand that the edge comes when a biblical truth is spoken and the person hearing it doesn't like what you're saying. I want you to hear that. The rift comes not when you're loving on people. Listen, I'm going to talk a little bit at the end of the service about I-58 and what we're going to try to do for them for Valentine's Day. And everyone loves, everyone loves when we love on those children. Everyone loves you then, but the rift comes, the rift comes whenever you tell them a biblical truth that they don't like. And that's where the edge comes. And so you may say, well, why in the world would Jesus? Cause it really doesn't fit. Cause you know, he comes into this new area and he says, oh, I'm going to go back to Galilee. Oh, by the way, prophets never welcomed in his hometown because they think they know him and they think, who is this guy to tell us? these hard truths. Hard truths are hard to hear from people. Y'all listen, I had a parent one time, this is a funny story, but it's really sad. I had a parent one time that called me crying on a Sunday night. We had just got done with the service and she was crying and she said, this is back when I was doing student ministry. She said, I'm so thankful. And she was just in tears. I'm so thankful that my son has finally found a place. I'm so thankful that he's so loved. I'm so thankful that he's where he he's where he needs to be. He has been searching for this for so long. I'm so thankful that he is where he needs to be. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so appreciative of everything you're doing. I'm so thankful. 
And Tuesday, she called me and cussed me out because her son wasn't being treated fairly. And that's a true story. She went from praising to cussing in 48 hours. And that, that honestly is the life of ministry. It is. And that's the truth. As long as you're helping people, they're okay. But when you have to tell them a hard truth, those that are on the fringes, they don't want to hear it. And that's why a prophet's never welcomed. Because a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people, they're fickle. People are fickle, you guys. It's one of the reasons why we don't want to ever try and go for man's approval. We don't, I don't want man's approval. I don't need, I don't need your approval. I really don't. I mean, I'm not, I'm here every Sunday when I get up, I'm not thinking, man, I hope everyone really likes this. You know, I'm thinking, man, I hope I'd say what God wants me to say. And that's what I'm saying. And that's what I always want to do. But people are fickle. They really are because people oftentimes just want to hear the positive things and they just want to be, listen, there's a lot of cotton, cotton candy Christianity out there. You know what I mean? There really is. But here's the thing, you know, God is both loving, but he's also judge. He's also fierce. I mean, he's a lot of things and we try to tell only one part of it. And I'm just not going to do that to you guys because I don't want you guys to be shocked when the other part hits because it does hit and it will hit. And that's reality. That's reality. Jesus knew that the people would eventually have to choose between what he said and these miracles. He eventually would have to choose, and we have to do the same exact thing. I love the story of Mother Teresa. She was never looking for a sign from God, she never was. She was a nun on a train, and she was riding her train. They were ride, she was riding on a train. I don't know if you guys know the story, but she was riding on a train. And she said that she felt like Christ himself came and spoke. She heard the voice of Christ himself audibly speak to her and say, Go to Calcutta and minister to the poorest of the poor. And that's what she did. Here's the crazy part about Mother Teresa. She never heard the voice of God again. Ever. Ever. She went through ups and downs. Yet that spoken That spoken word that she heard was enough for an eternity. She didn't go, you know, you would think if he's going to speak to anybody, Mother Teresa living in Calcutta with the the poorest of the poor, right? She didn't, they didn't go from, she didn't try to go from one high to the next, up to the next high. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because Christ was sufficient just who he is for her. And I want to tell you something else. He's just sufficient for us too. Jesus in this text is saying, I want you to know something. He's saying, um, probably not going to be welcome here much longer. And he was right. Probably not going to be welcome here much longer. You know, prophets never welcome in his hometown. And you guys are welcoming me now. He knew. He knew their hearts. You're welcoming me now because of what I can do for you. And he does 
go ahead and heal this government official's son. But he also does it in a way that shows me that our faith grows as we believe and trust. And that's my final point today. There's a pattern if you look in this verse. There's a pattern here that you can see in this verse. And here's the pattern. The pattern is this. He wanted and he needed a miracle. He wanted and he needed a miracle. He took Jesus at his word and he walked home. Let me ask you a question. How hard would it be for you to take Jesus at his word and turn around and walk home? I know we don't think about that little part of the story. How hard would that be, guys? If you knew that your son or your daughter was dying, if you knew they were sick and dying, and you came to Jesus, and he says, hey, just go home, your son will be fine. How hard would it be for you to turn around and walk away? We overlook that part of the belief, but it's right there staring you in the face. How hard would it be? You know what I would do? I'm like, hey, look, uh, I hear you, but I'm going to need you to come with me, bro. Like, I've seen what you did at other places, you know, the whole touch thing and all that. I, I need you to come with me. Oh, no, he'll be fine. No, Jesus and I would have had an argument saying right there. Right there in Canaan, we'd have been arguing. I know that'll shock y'all, but we would have been. We'd have been arguing. I'd have been trying to drag him back with me. The belief of this man is powerful. So he saw that he needed a need. He had a need. He needed a miracle. He took Jesus at his word. And here's the crazy part. The father and the family believed that Jesus would do what he said he would do. And he found out that at the very moment that Jesus spoke, and don't lose that, he spoke, the very moment he spoke, the boy was healed. Can I tell you a secret? The boy wasn't the only one healed that day. You know who else was healed? The father and his whole family. The father and his whole family were also healed that day. They were healed spiritually. So what's the meaning of this sign? Every sign has a meaning. What's the meaning of this sign? Well, here's the meaning of this sign. Is that Jesus is the son of God who grants life. Here it is. By his very words. He grants life by his very words. Every time I've read this story in John, every time I've read this story, do you know what I always think about? I always think about the book of Genesis where God spoke and it was. This sign tells you and tells me that all it takes it's just a little word from the one who saved you to heal you and set you free. How amazing is that? This government official did two things. He believed and he trusted. Today, I hope you do too. I hope you do too. And I hope you don't need a constant miracle from God or a constant, a, a constant touch constantly from God to know that he's working. 
Because I'm going to tell you something. That one word is sufficient for all of us. Just like it was for the government officials, just like it was for the government official's son, just like it was for Mother Teresa, and just like it is for you and I. I want to encourage you today to believe and to trust that Jesus is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he can do. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, that you are who you say you are and that you will do what you say you will do. Lord, we do ask you to come today. God, give us a touch from you. Lord, speak our way. Lord, we ask you to be with us as we start out this new year. Lord, the new year started with the whole world focused on you. People from all kinds of countries over a football game focused on you. And wouldn't you know, God, you showed up and did what only you can do. Take a dying man, bring him back to life. Lord, we're thankful for the fact that Christ is in our lives. Let us believe and trust, not needing some kind of miracle, but believing and trusting, knowing that he's with us. It's in the strong and mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand up for a final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.